Hello, and welcome to Moving Markets by Julius Baer. Please listen to the important legal information at the end of this podcast. Good morning. My name is Mike Grauber. I'm an investment writer at Julius Baer in Zurich, and I will start by giving you an overview of what has happened in the markets. U.S. stocks fell for the third consecutive day, with the S&P 500 losing 1.1%. All sectors were in the red, but financials and healthcare outperformed. A better-than-expected reading on job openings and surprisingly good consumer confidence figures were viewed as affirming the Federal Reserve's resolve to continue with higher interest rates for longer. Separate remarks by three regional Fed presidents also reiterated Chairman Jerome Powell's view expressed in Jackson Hole on Friday. This sparked another rise in the 10-year Treasury yield to now 3.46% and the market pricing in a 70% chance of a 0.75% Fed interest rate hike in September. In U.S. data releases today, the U.S. ADP employment report is on schedule and a GOG on mortgage applications. In the U.S. corporate bond market, banks will start next week with the 15 billion U.S. dollar leveraged buyout financing for Citrix Systems. This is seen as a major test on the level of investor risk appetite after the Fed's more hawkish comments as of late and more volatile market conditions. In currencies, the euro has seen some strengths over the last days, now again above parity against the dollar, as investors await eurozone, French and Italian inflation data out later today that may impact on whether the ECB goes ahead with a potential 75 basis points interest rate hike next month. Already yesterday, Germany reported a little higher than expected 7.9% year-on-year rise in inflation throughout through these months. Also yesterday, European energy prices plunged from very high levels after the EU said it will intervene in power markets. And the French energy minister said that French gas storage will be full in about two weeks. But Gazprom has now said that it will hold supplies to French utility company Engie because of a dispute over payments. The Russian firm is due to shut also the Nord Stream pipeline to Germany today for three days for maintenance. Overall, in commodities, the Bloomberg Commodity Index posted its biggest daily drop yesterday since early July. Benchmark U.S. gasoline futures fell last week to $2.69 it was reported yesterday. Prices are now below levels on the day the war in Ukraine started, and this may also well explain the before-mentioned better-than-expected U.S. consumer confidence figures released yesterday. In Asia, August, China factory activity was a tad better than expected. The manufacturing PMI remained below the make-or-break 50 level for a second month, but it notched higher to 49.4 from 49 despite power shortages and a property sector crisis. The non-manufacturing GOG slipped less than forecast to 52.6, but pointing still towards growth in the Chinese economy. The Hang Seng Index is up 1%, but the electric vehicle maker BYD is down 8% after Berkshire Hathaway paired its stake. Some attention in the news this morning is also getting reports that Taiwanese soldiers have fired shots to ward off Chinese drones. And the Nikkei 225 is down 0.4%, even as Japanese industrial production gained 1% in July from June. 
a data release showed, and retail sales also rose a faster than expected 2.4% on the month. And after yesterday's weakness in U.S. equities, we can see that European equity futures are pointing towards a start in the green. And so that's the On the Market Wrap. And now I'm pleased to hand over to David Meyer, Macro and Next Generation Research, on some major changes in our currency views. Yeah, good morning, Mike, and thank you to everybody for listening. So one of the conclusions of Jackson Hole was arguably that the European Central Bank sent out a more hawkish message than the U.S. Federal Reserve. And the big question that follows is, will this help the euro? Um, the Fed's announcement uh, that it will keep the policy rate higher for longer obviously got a lot of attention. Um, the, the general message is that it is willing to accept an even larger slowdown in economic growth. And this pushed out expectations for the first rate hike of the Fed after it reaches a, a temporary high uh, into late 2023. However, um, key European Central Bank policymakers probably sounded even more hawkish because the European Central Bank now seems willing uh, to front row load rate hikes a lot more uh, than in the past. So we have upgraded our trajectory uh, for the main refinance rate uh, with 250 basis points rate hikes in September and October each. And the debate is now currently in markets uh, if the European Central Bank will even do more. Now, um, despite this hawkish shift of the European Central Bank, um, we do not believe uh, that it will be sufficient to strengthen the euro in the short term. Uh, the reason for this is uh, the large divergence uh, of energy price increases in the eurozone when we compare it to the US or other energy producing uh, countries. This is also reflected in a large deterioration of the Eurozone's terms of trade. So it will probably take more time uh, for the resulting collapse of the Euro's fair value to revert. And with that, we mean uh, that European energy prices actually have to receive and be below uh, energy prices in the US for some time. So alongside this development, uh, the euro will continue uh, to be confronted with downside pressure. Um, and we think that uh, this is a reason uh, to be more uh, pessimistic on our euro outlook. And that's why we downgraded our euro US dollar targets to 0 0.95 uh, for three months horizon and 1.0 for the 12 month horizon. Now, a similar argument also applies uh, when we look at the euro versus the Swiss franc, because uh, also there is this divergence in energy prices compared to Switzerland. However, the Swiss National Bank has recently shown some unease uh, with franc strength and has uh, reacted, or there are signs that it has reacted with some currency interventions. And that's why we, as of now, refrain from uh, trimming our euro Swiss franc targets lower than the current 0.97 flat that we have in our books. And that's all from my side. Thanks for listening and back to you, Mike. Thank you very much, David. And we are pleased to have Mathieu Rachete, Head of Equity Strategy with us this morning to talk about our equity subsector views into year end. I hand over to you, Mathieu. Yes, thank you, Mike, and also good morning from my side. As you already mentioned, equity markets continue to lose ground at the beginning of the week. Um, the S&P 500 closed below 4,000 for the first time since late July. 
Um, so after this renewed drop in equity prices, what's the near-term outlook? Um, unfortunately, not that great as equities are entering a seasonally weak period. So if you look at data over the past 40 years, September has historically been the only month when the monthly median return has been actually negative by minus 0.7%. And we think this year um, around uh, the weakness could be further accentuated um, given the upcoming blackout periods for buybacks, which will start in mid-September and roughly last for four weeks. So, so far this year, corporates have been the largest source of US equity demand in the form of buybacks. So a reduction of that will have a bigger impact on equity markets compared to previous years. So given the near-term risks, we continue to recommend investors to keep a defensive tilt for now. So we overweight Swiss equities, healthcare, and also high dividend stocks. Um, in addition to that, um, while we recommend for a barbell strategy between value and growth in the medium term, um, given the increased likelihoods that we entered uh, a new regime of higher inflation of high yields. Um, in, if you take a more short-term look, uh, we see a good chance of a large cap of large cap growth stocks to tactically outperform the more economically sensitive value stocks. So after the sharp sell-off uh, year to date, valuation of large cap growth stocks are now back at two times the price to sales ratio relative to the broad market, which is actually the lowest level since early 2018. In addition to that, um, if you look at the past six occasions since the 70s, when US inflation peaked above 5%, growth outperformed value over the following six months. Therefore, um, while we see near-term risks for the overall markets, there's a good tactical opportunity to shift towards selective growth names at inexpensive valuation levels. That's all from my side. And with that, back to you, Mike. Thank you very much, Mathieu, for these interesting comments. This concludes today's podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. We do hope that you'll join us again. Goodbye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information.